Welcome to People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose. People of Purpose is a podcast of inspiring people whose stories help you see things differently, live with intentionality, elevate the way you participate in the world, and take the necessary leaps in your life to seek and find your passions. Come with us and develop the courage to wholeheartedly pursue your purpose and unleash your truest potential. I don't live in a fantasy land, but I live enough in it to want to make it true. I've realized that strength is not about always being the strongest or the best. Strength is being able to to get knocked down, Mm. feel the pain of everyone, feel the pain, but not let it break you. Alan Little is a professional speaker, author, and coach. He specializes in instilling confidence into individuals, waking up a source of power in people that's rooted in God. He's given a TEDx talk on the little voice in our head that can be found on YouTube. For three years in a row, Alan Little was rated the number one coach based in Kansas City by Expertise.com. Alan believes that the secret to success is keeping God first and loving your neighbor as you love yourself. Hello, welcome to People of Purpose podcast. I'm here with our newest guest, Alan Little, today. We have our small audience here of uh, Galena, Bobby, and Parker, as well as Luther, our production man. Um, We're excited to be in a studio today. Typically, we do these on Zoom, but we are here today live in person. And we have Alan Little, who talk about uh, how to have a little bit of motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to start with your shirt. I, yeah, <laughs> this term Godfidence when you said it to me it just like it was like it just straightened me up and I was like wow that's like exactly like the core of like I think yeah. what fuels the purpose yeah um, and how you come to realize these things that you know seem like intellectual concepts but to, to create them in your life you need to have this Godfidence yeah I want to know kind of the origin story of this term for you and how you use this term in your life yeah yeah it's um for me, it's, it's always been, I've always struggled with believing in myself mm-hmm. from a sense of what I, I will go to, to the extreme of like, I don't believe in myself. To the extreme of I can do anything I want and mm-hmm. then I'll hit a failure and be like, oh, I'm actually terrible, right? Gotcha. So I would go to the extreme of like left and right and what occurred to me was to sit in a cornfield in Iowa and to have a conversation with, with God directly, right? I was I was searching for my spirituality. I was wondering, like, is there something really more out there? Is this, is, is basically this God stuff really real? Mm-hmm. So I sat in a cornfield in Iowa, and I'm like, God, if you're real, I need proof, right? Because I get all of these different religions and beliefs thrown at me, and I'm like, I want one that actually works for me, that actually I can fall in love with, right? And and so I sent a cornfield and asked that question and said, God, if you're real, show me proof. Nothing happened for like 40 minutes. Right? I'm expecting to see like Mufasa in the sky. Like I'm expecting something magical to happen. Nothing, nothing happened. And then I'm like, you know what? Whether you're real or not, God, I love you regardless. I love you regardless. And as I'm walking to my apartment, I get a text from my uncle. And he's like, hey, I need to give you a call really quickly. Are you available? I'm like, weird. I haven't talked to you in three years. But sure, why not? I hop on the phone with him and he's like, you know what? I'm feeling inspired to tell you that God loves you. God is glad you're back in his life and things of that nature. And that was my first synchronicity that mm-hmm. happened, right? Many, 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 many synchronicities after that. Um, I found out that, you know what? This whole idea of God that I'm embracing, it doesn't, it, I, my belief is all rivers lead to the same ocean, right? So all beliefs, like as long as love is at the center. But 
just knowing that something greater than me, something magnificent loves me, once I embody that, I'm not really as attached to what people think of me because I know what God believes in me, what God, how God loves me, how this universe loves me, and no one's bigger than the universe. Well, technically, we are the universe, but you know what I mean, no? Like, the idea of the universe is like, it's, it's all that is. So if all that is love me, then nothing can be really against me. So having confidence is being sourced in something that's quite literally not of this planet. And when you have something tapped within you that's not of this planet, you can do things that people's never seen done on this planet before. Yeah. So you really trust these synchronicities. How do you know that they're from God? Well, well, God is all that is, so everything that happens is God, okay. <laughs> essentially, you know? So it's uh, everything, okay, God is all that is. Now, what, what a lot of people refer to what perspective of God, because if God is all that is, then there's light and obviously there's dark as well, mm -hmm. okay? So now, put it like this. Whenever we play video games, there is usually a map somewhere on there that you can look at and know where you're going, right? right? You never you never be a part of a, a huge RPG game without some type of map. Right. In our physical realm, we have a map. So we can know if it's the positive, loving perspective or the fear-based, anger perspective of God, which are both totally valid. And that map is our feelings, our intuitive feelings within, the ones that mm. keep coming, we can't ignore them. That is our map. So immediately when we embrace something new, simply the way it makes us feel intuitively and we really feel it, we know for a fact if it's in alignment with love or it's in alignment with fear. And so I guess I wanna understand how this is connected to your purpose journey. So I wanna get into a lot of these topics in these series, but first I wanted to catch up the audience to kind of where you came from and how you got here. Mm -hmm. Alan and I have been friends for about a couple months now. Mm -hmm. We've had a few lunches together. He's come to a couple parties of, of ours. And we've never gotten into your childhood. <laughs> and then I read on your, uh, on your sheet you create before the podcast, all these crazy things about growing up. Uh, mm -hmm. You were raised by your, your father in Detroit and then yep. for 10 years. And then now your mom for, for the next 10. Yep. Um, you were like sleeping in um, women's homeless shelters until there was too many nights in a row and they put you out on the street again. Yep. And you had some cop uh, go shopping with you and buy you a Game Boy Color. Yep. This Shop is incredible. How, like along this journey, how did you stay so like optimistic and so high belief and all these things when your external circumstances were, you know, did you know to, did you know that you were missing out on a nice like yeah. middle class upbringing with married parents and like yeah yeah I would I, I would definitely say those you know pertaining to the, the years where I was living you know in the, in the women's homeless shelters with my mother and we were homeless and things of that nature. Mind you, though, that I was so young that for me, it was all just a fun adventure. Right. You know, like for me, it was we, we would I, I have friends at this shelter and friends at this shelter. And it wasn't until I started until kids started talking and people started to know, like, hey, Alan lives in a shelter. Yeah, that's why he <laughs> catches the bus, goes a weird ride and all of this stuff. But for me, I've always been a dreamer. I've always been a the reality I'm in right now does not have to be my reality in a sense of I'm not gonna be here forever, yeah. okay? But mind you though, is that being a dreamer, I also had a lot of fear, right? Right. So I was very, as a child, I was very quiet, I was very reserved to myself. I actually, my true story, my mom, she filed like almost an Amber Alert, a missing child report on me, because she couldn't find me for like a whole day. She ended up finding me in the corner of her closet staring at the wall for seven hours. What, why? Because I would just sit there and I feel like I don't remember, 
But if I can think about it, I, I think I was just in my mind, in my soul. I think I was probably astral projecting. I don't know what I was doing. But I was very, very quiet because a lot of my experiences I was having were internal back then. Yeah. So you were a very quiet kid without like a lot of these things that you know more affluent kids get to have. And then you became a speaker. Mm-hmm. Where do you think that that like speaking gene came like came to be born were you just born with that or did that just like develop once you understood confidence yeah yeah and okay so i did not have as much of an innate speaking gene um for me i just i started to read a lot learn a lot grow a lot i was like the one superpower that i claim to have my dad told me this actually the superpower that i have is extremely curious Mm mm-hmm I ask why, okay, why, okay, why? I go down that hall of mirrors, and then once I learn these truths, sharing this with others in the most profound way, and speaking came up, actually originally, my speaking career started with me working in a network marketing company. It was a network marketing company that was based on travel, and I was speaking for the sense to motivate people to wanna travel, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, come travel with me, we're gonna travel the world and everything. And I started, the more I talked about travel, the more I realized that people really wanted those vacations, mostly because their life was something they wanted to vacate. Yeah. They, yeah. they wanted vacations because they didn't like where their life was. I'm like, wait, well, I don't like the idea that people, you know, some people would travel just to escape something. Why not create a life that is a vacation? Yeah. And that's when I started to ear more towards motivation and inspiration and things yeah. of that nature. So speaking started off, I, I would, I mean, I was so bad that literally there was one time that I went into like a grocery store and to work on my speaking skills, I was like, I cannot leave this grocery store until I speak and meet like three new people, right? And I was there for hours. Oh, wow. I would put myself through exercises weekly to improve my speaking. So uh, it was something that was definitely created. I, yeah, I love hearing that because a lot of people, I think, tend to think that you like are just a natural-born speaker, a natural-born leader, mm-hmm. and you're saying that you were staring at the wall in your closet for seven hours, that you mm-hmm. spent all day long in the grocery store before you could talk to three people. Yeah. Like, I guess, how has tapping into your sense of purpose and your confidence helped you to, to develop those abilities? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was... I'm a huge, like, visionary, like, dreamer, video game, Star Wars. Uh, a lot of me, I, I don't live in a fantasy land, but I live enough in it to want to make it true, to want to make it come to fruition, okay. right? So for me, I think my thing was I would have a vision of what I wanted for myself, and I would have the backbone to go out there and do it. And I was also somewhat crazy enough to not be as affected by, every time someone says you can't do this, oh, I'm a rebel, I'm gonna go do it now. Simple for that fact, you know? If, if someone says you can't do this, that mean, that mean I gotta do it now, yeah. right? And so using that in a healthy way without it becoming an obsession. But mind you though is that, this is probably something that's probably, probably not even the most healthiest, but I've had a lot of what we call failures. I mean, a lot of like getting punched, getting knocked out. I've had days where I've, you know, I'll be in my car just crying, just the whole day just crying, whatever, you know, and probably get on some Snapchat or whatever and pick myself back up. And, and I really wanna give a voice to that because it's some of those lowest moments that I've realized that strength is not about always being the strongest or the best. Strength is being able to, to get knocked down, mm. feel, the pain of everyone feel the pain but not let it break you for sure 
Yeah, so what do you do when you're in those moments? Um, you said you just like offhandedly mentioned Snapchat helps you pop out of it, but mm -hmm. what, what is your actual, do you have a process for how you go from like low failure, sad, mm -hmm. you know, depths of despair to, you know, speaking on a stage in front of yeah. hundreds of thousands of people? Like, yeah. What's that journey look like? So now today my process is when there's a failure or something that knocks me down, I actually enjoy the low. I yeah. hang out there. I enjoy the low. I'm like, you know, what? I'm gonna play video games right now. I'm gonna yeah, play. You mentioned I'm that to me at lunch yeah. the other day. You're I'm gonna like, play video games. Just, the, the rest of the day's gone. You know, exactly. Cool. Exactly. It's, it's sometimes when we get knocked out, when something really punches us, like it can be anything that's like just painful for us. Let it have its day. I'm like, you know what? I got my ass kicked today, and I'm just gonna let that happen, and actually be okay with that, and actually ride that wave because in enjoying the process of that quote unquote failure, we're actually rising more because it's not about what we create. It's about our state of being. Mm -hmm. It's about who we are internally. I'm telling you, the universe does not in a sense care if you impact a billion people or if you impact a fish in a grocery store or something. It doesn't care. Only thing that matters is how does it make you feel? How does it hit your state of being? People always say, Alan, like you have these huge goals and everything. These are My goals aren't huge goals. The only thing that's huge is how they make me feel. So if someone's goal is to be a gardener, if someone's goal to be a, someone that picks up trash, if someone's goal is to go out there and change like multiple planets, it doesn't matter what they're doing. It's a matter of how they're being. For sure. So on the surface, it looks like there's some sort of contradiction here that you're saying that you want to be able to feel the depths of sadness and despair and let the day go. But you're yeah. also saying like, I'm constantly tuning my being to who I want to become. Exactly. How do you handle like when you just like give over to the feeling versus when you create the feeling? It's understanding that sadness is a part of the process. Okay. Sadness is a part of the greatness. A lot of people put sadness and anger and stuff and he's lower, oh, I'm off my purpose. No. The, the movie has all of the emotions. We are all that is. I said I am all that is. We are all that is. Mm -hmm. And all that includes, includes sadness, includes failure, includes depression, and includes all of it. So the soul that's enlightened is the one that can enjoy. I got a different game for every emotion. If I'm sad, I know exactly what I'm gonna do. It reminds me of Inside cry. Out. <laughs> inside Out, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna cry at every, I, I got a process for every emotion. So I think, I think more people should stop avoiding particular emotions and start learning how to embrace those emotions and enjoy those emotions. So you just mentioned you have a kind of a game for every emotion? Yes. Can you give me a glimpse into one or two of these? Okay, when I'm when I'm feeling anger inside of me and 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 I'm in a, you know, in a, in a long-term relationship, you know, there's depths of anger that will come out that I didn't even know that was there, right? I got some Slipknot, I'll listen to some some music, right? I got some dark music I'd be listening to, right? And okay. I just be like, blah, blah, blah. like I just, I just, <laughs> I can really get into like that dark energies and then know that like anything, like I, I can, I am the darkest being, I'm that most angry being and I enjoy that and then eventually it goes away quickly, I healthily express it and then I go into the next one. If, I, if I'm sad, right? Um, if, if, if there's anything I'm sad, like I had, for, I had a friend that, you know, that passed away some time ago, a very close friend of mine. And I have a thing where I'll do is I'll look at pictures of him, I'll enjoy the memories, I'll allow myself to cry, I, I just, I, I enjoy it, right? I allow it to flush, flush yeah. all of it out, you know? So it's, it's having a practice for every emotion that comes yeah. and being ready for it. So, <laughs> you mentioned before that you weren't really built for the whole like work and then have a vacation. Mm. Well, a lot of the population that, that does like, they do that. They yeah. work and have their vacation. Yeah. 
Um, if you're in a job that's like, t you know, hours fixed and you need to be on performance and you're in meetings, but you're feeling these sort of things, like what do you suggest someone in those situations? You want, you want me to give like the, 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 the slow, understandable one or the, like the abrupt, the truth, just the plain truth? We like the truth. The truth? You don't, you don't have, you don't have to do that. Yeah. You don't have to work. And in a sense of doing what you don't want to do. The real power, the real power that things, that people, the things that the jobs that makes us do things, the real power is they get us to believe that we need to do it. They get us to believe gotcha. that we, but in reality, we're all unlimited, abundant creators from out of this universe. Right. But here's the thing, here's the thing. We're using that power to shrink ourselves. We're using the creative power of the universe to shrink ourselves to believing we don't have it. So what's more powerful, a freaking tiger or a freaking cage that can squeeze a tiger and keep the tigers trapped? But here's the irony, we are the tiger and we are the cage. Uh, we're both. Yeah. So we're ultimately powerful. So what I say to those people is the is to understand the truth. The simple. This is what freed me because I worked in corporate. I worked in corporate America for many years, right? And I and I felt very stuck there. The two week vacation, all of that. I did that thing. Okay. The biggest thing I would say is, you don't have to, and you know it. You don't have to. Mm -hmm. But what keeps people there is fear, survival. I got to feed my family. I got to feed myself. I'm going to run out of money. So now you have the fear of this death that we're running away from, or here's another fear, but we're playing with fear, here's another fear. What if you never leave? What if you stay there forever? What is that gonna turn out? That, now that's a guaranteed, mm -hmm. that's a guaranteed ugly right there. But there's this potential ugly of maybe running out of money. This potential ugly, or maybe like we gotta tell our family we ain't got it. But I tell you one thing, those are struggles in and of themselves, but at least we'll be free. Right. So do you think everyone should be an entrepreneur? No, no. How do, I, you, how do you resolve that? I think that everyone should do what they feel inspired to want to do. Okay. Someone could be working a corporate job and absolutely love it. That, that's amazing. They, they are just as valid as the entrepreneur. Some people are entrepreneurs and they want to work at a corporation. They want to work as a teacher. Yeah. They want to work as a farmer. That's perfectly is. I don't advocate everyone be anything like in terms of like a job i advocate everyone be happy and do what you love to do yeah and and do nothing else and trust that you have infinite 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 power supporting you in what you love to do actually what you love to do is actually a wisdom in and of itself your desires have a wisdom that's taking you exactly where you need to go that's why it feels good why would god have you feel good about something that's going to lead you to disruption it only makes sense that you feel good about something that leads you to your full blown, empowered self and forever, here's the key word, forever joy lives in doing what you love to do. Forever joy, not temporary joy, forever joy. Now here's the key as well. Don't think that what you love to do has to remain the same. One day you can love to fish. The next day you can love to hunt. The next day you can love to freaking spy a spaceship. It doesn't matter because it's not about what you do. It's about the state of being that erodes first and then that leads you to do a particular thing. So whenever there's a time where you feel like doing something and then you do it and then you don't feel like doing it anymore, you're like, well, this is my passion so I have to do it, release it because it's not about the actual action. It only matters is the state of being. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I sense there was some channeling happening there. Yeah, a little bit. Sometimes Anto will come in there and <laughs> add some things. <laughs> okay. 
so we're we're essentially to follow the bliss. Like yes. Joseph Campbell has that line, you know, like follow your bliss. Is that basically what you believe? I'm saying you are the bliss. Okay. You are the bliss. And by being the bliss, natural actions will follow. And how do we handle it when we've made commitments to others or to a team or to a, a project to see it through, but Underst- we want to now shift our attention to other passions? Understand that there is no commitment higher than a commitment you have with yourself and your higher self. Because the commitment you have with yourself and your higher self actually is the best thing for others. Okay. Yes. Cool. <laughs> um, do you guys have any questions on this topic? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Go ahead, Parker. Like, if I want to do, like, partying or stay up late or, or do drugs that could be, feel good, how do I know when something feels good versus my bliss? So understand there, there's a distinction between, in a sense, inner bliss and chasing an external joy, chasing a joy, okay? So let's say, for example, these particular drugs that we may think is like amazing. Well, what does the drug allow us to feel? What does the drug allow us to experience? And think, could we experience that effect without the drug? Because in a sense, drugs, and I'm speaking very loosely here when I say drugs, very, very loosely. In a sense, everything external to us is a drug. Everything. Mm -hmm. Because we don't actually need it for our innate happiness. So think of it as if this particular, let's say, for example, marijuana. Okay, that's labeled as a drug to many people. This particular drug allows us to feel relaxation, sensation, things of that nature, that source, right? Think of it as a teacher rather than a thing we depend on. Mm -hmm. And the thing that is teaching us is how to create peace and resolve within ourselves. Now, when it comes to the more extreme drugs, like I would say like meth and code illegal drugs, I would advocate, I wouldn't even pursue that because that's actually self-harming, that's self-detrimental. If you're not sure about that, talk to someone who's done it. (laughs) But in a sense of the plant-based medicines, I would say think of them as teachers that can allow us to create it within ourselves without it. Because it is only in our time, not only in our time, but most for most of us, it's our time that we transition or croak or die or whatever we call it, that we realize that we actually had everything within us already to begin with. We only had external things to bring out what was within us. It becomes a quote unquote drug when we depend on that external thing over what already lives within us. When we understand that it's already within us, that we're actually the source of it, we tend to do away with the external thing because really it's just a reminder of what's already within us. Does that make sense? Yeah, we'll say. Okay. Uh, I like your question, Parker. It's actually very similar to the first one that I had, which was... So my question's kind of twofold to expand on this one, um, and maybe you can get to the root of like what's underneath this question and answer it in your own way. That mm-hmm. uh, that would be great. Um, so I wrote down, how do you differentiate between like a divine calling, something that's bringing you closer to your bliss, versus like a worldly desire, which I think is kind of analogous to this drug or these things that are outside of us. Mm. And the other one is, what would you tell somebody who like feels called to get connected with their higher self, their deeper truth? Like they want to get connected with that, which will bring them to that path to bliss. What mm-hmm. would you tell somebody who's committed to that journey, but not quite to the destination yet? So to the idea of worldly desire, many, 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 many people have labeled their actual desires as worldly desires. Mm-hmm they've placed a judgment on what they actually want. 
there is some there is some beliefs that the simple act of sex is a worldly desire but this is not empirically true because we are human beings we are the definition of synergistic energy exchange sex we are sexual beings all of us are so labeling things of this sort as a worldly desire is adding a judgment to what we actually want the way to distinguish the way to distinguish really there is no worldly desires versus our bliss there's only our bliss and what's not our bliss and we know that innately what we enjoy to do and what we don't enjoy to do what comes up that may be labeled as worldly desire is what others say understand that we are on a planet where if you follow your bliss enough you will remind people that they're not following mm -hmm. their bliss for sure and by reminding them that they're not following their bliss they're going to take it out on you or project onto you that hey you're doing something wrong because what you're doing is something i'm avoiding and i'm avoiding it for a reason so you must avoid it too right what was the second part of your question? Uh, so the second part is, so let's say you've got somebody who is, is committed to finding that path of like living just truer to their, their pure bliss. Like mm -hmm. they want to get in touch with that. They're not quite sure what it is. Personally, the way that I relate to this is like I feel called in a thousand different directions. I love so many things mm -hmm. and it makes it hard for me to like focus on mm -hmm. the one or two or three that, you know, maybe God is calling me to do or like, yeah. will lead me to my highest like actualization. Mm -hmm. What would you tell somebody that's a little bit lost on that journey? God is not calling you to do anything. God is calling you to be happy. Do not attach your happiness to what you're doing. What you're doing is an expression of your happiness. Really, really, the only thing that people need to focus on is their inner state of being, their happiness, their joy. If there's anything that you can focus and discipline yourself on, that's being happy, no matter what it looks like. For sure. Thank you very much. Yep. Awesome. Yep. So how do you get closer and closer to expressing your truth when a lot of our understanding is muddled with what people are perceiving us? Mm -hmm. Like uh, Jay Shetty has this thing he says, which is like, I am who you think, who I think you think I am, mm -hmm. right? So it's like we have this perception that Galena thinks this thing about me and therefore I am probably that and then therefore I act as that to her and she thinks I am that perception. It's just like yeah. self-validating truth. Yes. How do you get clear that out and get into your like honest, true self-expression? It's to understand that there is no one else except you. There's only you. And you're using Galena as an embodiment of what you believe about yourself. Mm. So it's not taking responsibility of what you see about yourself. There's a lot of people that may say, I'm a very happy person. I don't think of myself as angry. I don't think of myself as this. And then one person says, you're an angry person. And they get, they get angry, right? They're using the external person as a permission slip to believe about themselves what they already believe but they're just not owning it they're denying it we have to understand that many people on our planet are in such denial that they'll place all of the ways they view themselves and to actually manifest people that views them in a particular way to view themselves
Someone thinks they're lazy, they'll manifest a, a dad that thinks they're lazy. Someone thinks they're ugly, they'll manifest a girlfriend that thinks they're ugly. Someone thinks that they're fat. You, you get the you get the gist of it, okay? Sure. So understand that every way that someone views you, and if it actually affects you, if it actually triggers you, there's a little bit, if not a lot of bit within you that believes that about yourself. Otherwise, there would be no effect. So how do we get confidence in ourselves when our external environment, our external relationships are telling us we don't, we're not there yet, we don't have, we're not good enough, we shouldn't trust that, that that's mm-hmm. scary, that's risky. Um, you know, how do, how do you just, do you have to just like tell yourself that you know how you can do this even though you haven't done it yet? Mm-hmm. How do you find the confidence? Understand that confidence is not something that we find, confidence is something that we are. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we take confidence and we make it this achievement. We make it this earned thing. We make it this, we got to go get it. As long as we're doing that, we're giving up our confidence to go get confidence. The very first thing to do is full acceptance of everything that's true within us. Accept the fact that we may be afraid. Accept the fact that we do have fears. And being loving and nurturing with ourselves, holding ourselves as, as a child holding ourselves as a child and being the parent that we always needed growing up. In this acceptance, we will find that it is okay to have these different fears, to have these things, to lack confidence. It's perfectly okay. Mm -hmm. And in this space of love and all of it being okay, we get to choose who we are. Mm -hmm. And I'm here to remind you that you are confidence. You are confidence itself. There's nothing you can do to avoid it There's nothing you can do to go, in a sense, get it. The only thing you can do is understand you already are it. And the very thing that you crave most in your life is actually the gift that you have to give to the world. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think one thing that's been common amongst the guests on the People of Purpose podcast is like um, having this belief that we each were born with a gift Mm -hmm. and that gift needs to be expressed. Mm -hmm. Is that part of how you define your purpose, what does purpose mean to you? As far as gifts being expressed, yes, we all are a gift. We all get to express that gift, but a lot of people attach expressing a gift as a particular job or, a, a, or some type of craft or thing. Simply being happy, simply raising kids, simply being ourselves, that energy, the gift is not particularly in what we do. The gift is the energy that radiates from us at all times. There may, because there will be some people that will be like, oh, I didn't do anything today, so I, I'm not really much of a gift. I'm not a contributor to society. Gift is tethered to our existence. Mm-hmm. And we don't have, in a sense, to express that in a particular way because we are the expression of that at all times. I would say the greatest gift that we can give everyone is the gift of authenticity in who we truly are. Authenticity of all aspects of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Because in this authenticity, it'll invite others into their authenticity, thus greater gifts that's given, seeing the real version of us. For sure, mm-hmm. for sure. How do we do better about raising authentic children? Hmm. The best way to raise authentic children is to be authentic yourself is to be authenticity yourself children they don't in a sense do what we tell them to do they do what we are Mm -hmm. so if say for example a mother tells her child don't ever never lie never lie to anyone right someone knocks on the door mother tell them i'm not here 
<laughs> that that is in a sense a lie so it's like the child's gonna be like okay cool well i guess i shouldn't lie unless it's this so i'm lying this way the best way to raise authentic children is to be authentic ourselves even i'm getting something even if that involves not being the primary child raisers of the children ah so it's not just the parents responsibility it's people associated with the parents children were not meant to be raised from in a sense just the parents yeah think of this when people grow up they have many friends many perspectives many guides although the parents can be a guide for the children it is advantageous is what's coming for the children to have many perspectives to lean into many perspectives of love available to them our society places a bit of a favoritism on since since biology since biologically the children came through me i am responsible for the majority of their child raising and this is not empirically true although children coming through a particular person or particular couple is a very very great gift it doesn't limit them limit the children to just those two people that there's there's children that feel more of a father figure from their baseball coach Mm -hmm. and this is perfectly okay because when we stop thinking of family as one household and start thinking of family as a planet things will start to really balance themselves out yeah yeah so what are you doing right now in your in your life right now to to capture your purpose better or to be be who you're meant to be Mm. um i am right now joyfully having conversations with beings that's not on this planet and i love it because these beings that are not on this planet on their planet they already have world peace they already have love for each other they already have family right and so i'm connecting with them having conversations with them and i love getting to learn from people where the thing that is almost like, for a lot of people on our planet, world peace is pie in the sky, on their planet, it's every day. So learning from that perspective and sharing that to our planet is very, very joyful for me. Okay, so you're talking to aliens? Yeah, I mean, well, they're no more alien than, you know, someone that lives in Chicago and have a cousin that lives in, you know, Tokyo, right? So it's not really in a sense, I know our our popular Hollywood machine, all that, label them as aliens but at the same time there's people that live in Arizona and they call people in Mexico aliens yeah they're no more they're no more alien they're just star family I call them star family okay yeah I have my friend Tom who lives in the Philippines we talk almost weekly for the last seven years I've never met him Mm. so this would be like kind of that kind of relationship exactly the same exactly the same okay thank you for listening to part one of this interview with Alan Little on guiding organizations through culture initiatives that inspire people to live more authentic and fulfilling lives. Be sure to listen to next week's episode as we wrap up our conversation with Alan, talking about his communication with his star family, maintaining leadership without being controlling, dealing with negativity around the world, and much more.